man, I always wish my mom was here so she could hear those kind things, you know, <laughs> and finally make her proud, right? No, she's very proud. She always, she always tells me that. Reality Church, wow. Come on now, we can do better than that. Man. So, hey, Gus helped me out because um, the first time that I got to preach in the first service, um, I forgot to mention that my amazing wife was in the front row. So thank you, Gus, because she is. And by the way, like in South Florida, Pam really doesn't work. So her name is Pamela. And, uh, you know, um, it's just uh, easier to say. But man, thank you, thank you for the honor to be here. Um, like I said, my name is Tim, or actually I like my name better here in Miami, uh, Timoteo. You know, um, I'm actually born and raised right here in Miami, so if you would have ever told me that years and years and years and years ago that I would be in a Southern Baptist church preaching the word, uh, that would not be me. And the good news is this is not about me because we're actually talking today about a better story. A better story, the fact that Jesus changes lives, that Jesus does amazing things, that Jesus is always working. Sometimes we feel it, sometimes we don't, but rather you feel it or you do or you don't feel it, God is always working. So today's story is an amazing story from Acts chapter 8 verses 25 through 40. And it's, I want to call today's message, uh, God is Always Working. Everybody say, God is always working. working. Alright, now see, man, I hope you've had some cafe con leche or something like that, because we need to go rápido, dale, dale, dale. So we need, like, we need energy, like maybe last night you were pulling for these guys on TV, you know, you are watching it, you know. Maybe there's some FIU, you know, I mean, who do I need to mention here to get you riled up, you know, like, I uh, don't want to leave anybody out. But hey, yes, thank you. That was a good one right there. We'll get that later. <laughs> but, uh, but man, we're going to talk about Jesus today. And we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus is always working. He's always working. So let's look at our scripture together. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. I'm going to read it again. Um, I'd encourage you to do two things today. Um, open your Bibles, um, and if you're an underliner or a circler, man, do it. Now you're saying, bro, I'm a divisor. I have a device. Well, if you're a divisor, you know some way to highlight stuff. And by the way, I'm neither for the Bible. Well, I am for the Bible. Let me say that straight. I'm super for the Bible, okay? I'm for the Bible, but I'm not against devices. But here's the one thing I am. When the device takes you out of God's word because of some text or something, man, turn that off and stay focused on God's word, okay? So listen to this right here from Acts chapter 8, verse 25. Now, when they had testified the spoken word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Now, the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise up and go toward the south, toward the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, let's just pause right there, because how could we read that and not take a moment to pray for Jerusalem and Gaza right now? So let's pray. Dear God, we do pray for the men and women, boys and girls that are there. And God, no political structure is going to fix that. Only Jesus can. So would you provide mercy? Would you provide grace? Would you provide power? Would you heal? Would you bring salvation to everybody there? Would you do something that only you could get the honor and glory for? And God, would you remind us that you are the God that's loved the whole world 
the whole world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it says he's going from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit of the Lord spoke, or he's reading the prophet of Isaiah, excuse me. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up, sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they had come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotius, and he passed through He preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Dear God, take these words and knit them into our heart. Change our hearts. God, help us to love you, to love your word, to believe it, and to be sent out to make a difference in Miami and the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, in our text today, I want to look at the ways that God is working And I want to hit just a couple of main points and verses this morning. As a matter of fact, I'm going to, if we were doing fill in the blanks, I'm going to give you the answers ahead of time. So one of the things I want to look at is God is always working. Our text is going to show us today God is always working. A second thing is that we need to stay ready to join God at work. But we also need to be quick to listen and ask questions. Now, let me take a moment here and just pause and let me talk to the guys, just to the guys. Guys, we do not do a good job of listening. And the Holy Spirit wants us to do a better job of listening and asking questions. Now, ladies, let me speak to you for a moment. Thank you for being good listeners. (laughs) And thank you for always asking great questions. I think our text is going to show us the value of listening well, and asking good questions. But also it's going to show the power of the word. We need God's word today. Like the God's word is not just for Christians. God's word is for everybody. 
Listen, Instagram, Facebook, to some extent, it's the devil because, no, it's not. I mean, I use Instagram, so it was just, whoa, I saw a few people, whoa, this guy, how did he get in here? I mean, the Reality Church has Instagram, you know. But here's the one thing I think. The danger of any platform is that it increases us and decreases God. And when I look at what influencers and there's no scripture, like, listen, I might be a good guy. That's up to you to decide. God's got a better standard. But the only thing that should influence your life and my life is God's word. So the power of the word or scripture. And then the last thing I want to look at is answering a question. What's stopping you? What's stopping you? So if you'll notice in verses 25 through 29, we see God is always working. Look at what it says there. It says, Now when they had testified the spoken word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. The interesting thing, the context of today's thing, and it is a better story, is the fact that Philip actually was doing these revivals. He's doing these great things. There's a great movement of God, and it's happening everywhere, and Philip's a part of that. They're having big gatherings. People are putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Great things are happening. And in the midst of that, God shows up. And you'll notice what it says in verse 26. It says, The angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise up and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So basically God says, Hey, leave the crowds, leave the big events, and kind of go to nowhere. So you and I are signing up for that, right? Like, I mean, can you? I'll let you into the conversation I would have. Hey, God, I'm kind of important here. I'm kind of doing something right now. Like, this is big stuff, God. And what's going to happen in the middle of nowhere? What's, what's taking place over there? And I love what it says. It says, The angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise up and go towards the south of the road that goes down to Jerusalem, Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. He went. God tells him something and he goes. Now, I grew up just right a, a few, I mean, just less than a couple of miles from here, 3614 Southwest 58th Avenue. You know, I went to David Fairchild Elementary, went to South Miami Junior High, should have gone to South Miami High School, went to Christopher Columbus instead um, until my parents moved away. But I said all that to say on 3614 Southwest 58th Avenue, on Mondays, the garbage came. And my dad would tell me on Sunday night, make sure the garbage can gets out. And sometimes on Monday morning, you know what happened. No garbage can getting, getting to go out. Well, what was the problem? My dad told me. I said, yes, sir. But I didn't do it. I think people, sometimes God is speaking to us, and he's working in so many ways around us. And you and I are just missing out on being a part of what God is doing. And it's not because God's not working. It's not because God's not speaking. I mean, if I just look myself in the mirror, maybe it's a, an obedience issue. Maybe it's... I love what one commentator says. He reminds us, speaking about this scripture, he says, when we see Philip, um, what we see is we see in this text from the day of Pentecost, God was moving on multitudes. He was moving as the church was getting going. But now we see and we can trace the work of God in his motions in an individual. 
We see him in the individual dealing and leading the individual, observing how he guides one believer, observing how he leads one inquirer. Because here's the thing, when God's at work, it's not only that God's working in the person or the believer or the work that he wants to get done, but he's on the backside working on the situation or the individual. I mean, this, this is a story about somebody proclaiming their faith in Christ to somebody else or helping them to know Jesus. And sometimes, right, like that can be scary. And sometimes we can be like, well, bro, this is all on me. But we forget that sometimes that individual that needs to hear the gospel or that God wants to work in their life, man, they could be crying out. And you might be the answer to a prayer they're praying. Or better yet, man, there might be some godly abuelo or abuela that has been praying that something would change in their grandchild's life. We see the work happening not only in what Philip does, but the fact that the Spirit led Philip to an individual, a man, an Ethiopian, who was also didn't know what he needed yet. A famous pastor by the name of John MacArthur says, there were two roads from Jerusalem to Gaza, the Spirit commands Philip to take the one that was seldom used. Wow, that is so heavy, right? Because maybe we don't think God's working because we're not on the right road. Maybe we're on the popular road or the successful road. I love what it says. An observation that I had this week as I was trying to prepare for this was I asked myself this question. Could it be that I am too busy with my day-to-day life and not willing to listen to the Holy Spirit or obey the Holy Spirit or just be aware of how many opportunities there are to share Jesus around me today? I love what our text says. It says, Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise up and go towards the south road. And that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a deserted place. And he rose and went. He obeyed. There's a second thing I think our text shows us today that is so important for us. And this is a phrase. It's stay ready to join God at work. Everybody say stay ready. Stay ready. Okay, come on. Let's do it one more time. Stay ready. Stay ready. Yes. Yes. Stay ready to join God at work. In our home, I have four adult children, and now we have two more by marriage. They're scattered all across North America. And one of the things that we wear out in our house is we have an expression. And this is how the expression goes. Stay ready. You guys can say it. Stay ready. So you got to stay ready now. You weren't ready. No. <laughs> so, so what we do is say, stay ready. And then here's, it. here's how it goes. So you don't have to get ready. Wow. So stay ready so you don't have to get ready. I love what verse 30 and 31 say, right? Look at it with me right here, 30 and 31. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said to him, how can, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. If Philip didn't join God at work because God was at work on the backside of the desert and God was already lining up a guy that 
was hearing things but didn't know who God was. So God takes a man that's telling all these people about God and he puts him on the backside of the desert. And by the way, if he's not on the backside of the desert, then he's not there. He doesn't know when to go. He doesn't know who to go to. He doesn't see the person driving by. And then at that point, the guy just rolls on through there. And he never sees this crazy guy running down. Like, Wouldn't you like to see that? Because let, let, me, let me explain what's going on here with the context. This guy has got, like, power. So what this is, let's put it in on today's context. Let me see how I could best explain it. This is like a guy that has a tricked-out Lamborghini, and it's surrounded by Lamborghinis. <laughs> and basically, this guy's got a crew. And you don't get to the guy if you don't get through the crew. It's like... Nobody knows about this, but back in the day, if you wanted to get in a club, you had to know somebody to get in. So let's move on because we want to talk about Jesus. So can you imagine the Lamborghinis are rolling through and the major Lamborghinis in the middle and the Ethiopian eunuchs in the middle because he's got the power. He's in control of the whole treasury. He's got all, he's, a, you know, he's in charge. Let's just move on. And here comes a guy running. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's scary in South Florida, right? <laughs> like, you're like, yeah, that, that person's a little weird. <laughs> that's what you're saying. But see, Philip was, he was ready. He was ready to join God's work because he was constantly talking with God and listening to God. And by the way, that's super important. He was ready. He was ready because God had told him where to go. He was ready because he was ready to move. He was ready because God orchestrated somebody that needed to hear about who Jesus is. So let's look at the next point. Be quick to listen and ask questions. I love this about the text where the text says, so he, he goes running up, right? And in verse 30, a little overlap from the last point. But notice what it says. So Philip ran into him, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked now, this is where it's dangerous, right? Because sometimes we have a tendency to not ask, but to tell. See somebody crying? Well, you must be crying because your football team lost. Or you must be crying because the weather's bad. Or No, we need to ask. Hey, you seem sad today. What's going on in your life? But here's the incredible thing. Don't just ask good questions. Be ready to listen. Lean in. Ask people their name. Ask people about their stories. Ask people where they're from. Man, they're the Imago Day. See, it's not a world today where it's just the church. Yes, there is the church, and praise God for those in church. But there again, people come to church that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So being at church doesn't make you special. What makes us special is Jesus. And by the way, Miami doesn't need another church. Miami needs Jesus. Now, Jesus uses the local church. The church is his bride. What a beautiful picture. But, man, we have to do a better job to be quick to listen and to ask questions. He asked him, listen, do you know what you're reading about? And I love what the Ethiopian eunuch says. He comes up. He says, do you know what you're, what you're reading? He says, do you understand what you're reading? And he said to him, how can I unless someone guides me? Now, it just makes me wonder what kind of prayers that Ethiopian guy was praying. God, send me somebody to help me understand this. 
God, send me somebody that can help me be more like Jesus. God, help me somebody, send me somebody that'll help me carry this burden in this season of life. And notice what it says in verse 31. And he said to him, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. Like a sheep who was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth, and his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the, the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Now, how in the world does God take a guy to the backside of nowhere, get him through the Lamborghini Brigade, get him in the main place where a guy is reading scripture, and not just about God, but about Jesus? Because this text that they're reading for us some six or 700 years ago, way before Jesus ever came, And it's Isaiah the prophet. And he's talking about what Jesus would do for you and for me. And the fact that we need a sacrifice. A holy sacrifice. And that would be the Lamb of God. In John's gospel we read, John sees Jesus walking by and he says what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And only God can orchestrate things like that. Why? Because God is working. Why? Because it's, it's a better story. Go on in the text. I love what comes next is we see that the reason that God works is because in verses 35 we see the power of the word or the power of scripture. Look what it says in verse 35. It says, so then Philip opened his mouth. Everybody say, Yeah, we don't need to say anything. We don't. But when we do open our mouth, notice what it says, verse 35. It says, Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture. Philip gave the Ethiopian eunuch scripture. This is a challenge for us. I, I believe, I, I think back, 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 back in the day, and yeah, you're saying, okay, here we go, the old man story. And I'm not that old, just a lot of gray hair. Um, you could ride your bicycle in Miami. And I used to ride my bike from my house to elementary school every day. No helmet, by the way, either. Maybe that's what happened. You know, you say, hey, if the guy would have had a helmet, he'd be all right. But I think about like, all those kids that I rode bikes with growing up. And I wonder about their lives, and I wonder about, did they have an opportunity to hear about Jesus? And I wonder about influence, and I wonder about stories, and I wonder about this. But here, here's the one thing I believe more, than, more now than ever, is that people in Miami need to hear the word. They, they need the words from this book. 
Because my story, like that story I just told you, is kind of great and you're nostalgic and you're trying to figure out what he looked like on his bike. I really had a cool bike. It was a Stingray bike. It was purple. It had a banana seat. It had the little tassels hanging off the side. It had big handlebars like that. Who cares? Who cares? Because the thing that changes life is God's word, is the scriptures. The scripture is what changed life. And he starts with the scripture and he he actually says there, the word is scripture. If I was ever going to add anything to the Bible, which I don't, I'm not a heretic, and we're not going there today, but I would make this scriptures. <laughs> but he did start with the scripture, so I believe it. That's, that's the right thing. But I would add scriptures. And I would say that, man, you and I need the scriptures in our heart. We need the scriptures in our life. We need the scriptures to be able to share with other people. Listen, God wants to use you in a powerful way. I am not the police of how he uses you, and I'm not trying to set up some kind of formula. Hey, start with this. Do this. Do this. But at some point, if God gives you a moment with somebody, rather somebody that's far with God or somebody that's with God, because the scripture is not just good for salvation. The scripture is good to keep us growing and keep us close and keep us in a better relationship. And by the way, we all need the scripture to keep going because believe it or not, sometimes I've heard that sometimes Christians get on other Christians' nerves. Could you believe that? Because we're all brothers and sisters and we're all in one family and we're all together. One commentator put it this way. The Ethiopian, he was a noble man on a noble search. We can't say if the Ethiopian found God and his visit to Jerusalem that day, but he certainly found the word of God, and reading the word of God would lead him to God. Because you know, people are saved sometimes just by having the word of God. Because his word is active, it's alive, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I love the scripture, that word I've hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. Another commentator puts it this way, many have said because of the whole Bible points to Jesus in one way or another, we really can begin at any passage and find where it leads to Jesus. A guy that I like, a pastor, um, puts it this way in his commentary. His name's Pastor David Guzik, and this is what he said. Effective preaching is considered in explaining who Jesus was. In this text, Jesus, the, um, Philip explains to the Ethiopian that the lamb was Jesus. What he has done for us is that he was slaughtered for our sins. Explaining who Jesus is and what he has done for us is the essence of the gospel. Many preachers today focus on what we must do for God, but the gospel begins with and is founded upon what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Philip preached Christ in Samaria, Acts 5, and he preached Jesus to the Ethiopian. We can be sure it was the same Jesus he preached in Jerusalem. He didn't need to change his message for different audiences. I love the fact that he started with the scriptures. Such a weighty condemnation, or not condemnation, that's not the right word, but challenge for you and I is when we open our mouths, do we start with scripture? 
But the last thing is a, is a question, and I think it's encouraging, right? Verse 36, notice what it says, 36 through 40. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, there is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down in the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when he had come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotius, and he passed through. He preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So here's a challenging question in light of our text and in light of, I think, this story, right? Did you notice that somehow Philip presents the gospel in a way, sometimes when you present the gospel to people around you, rather it's a family member, it's a co-worker, whoever, sometimes you, you'll, you'll get you know, a piece of it presented. Sometimes you might have a long conversation and you might be able to talk about the, the life, the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that God has a great plan for all of us. And you might be able to help somebody understand, like me, I, at the age of 20, I heard the gospel in my brokenness, an enemy of God, rebelling against God. And, and, and I heard that God so loved the world that he loved me. Because if you had asked me at the age of 20, are you going to heaven? That was an easy answer. No, no way. I knew that. That wasn't hard. You didn't have to explain that to me. I knew that. I, I knew I was a sinner. But I didn't know how to get to heaven. Being baptized as an infant, get me to heaven? No way. I was, I was baptized as an infant. I was actually baptized just right down the road at, at, at the age of one, right here at uh, um, it's, uh, Coconut Grove Episcopalian Church. I mean, my family, we were Episcopalian slash Catholic. You know, we were close enough one way or the other way. You know, we went at Easter and went at Christmas. My, well, my mom sent me the picture this week, uh, you know, me getting baptized as an infant. I'm there at the picture. I sent her a picture. I sent her a text this week. I said, man, I look really big in the picture. Was, you know, was, was I all right? You know, you know, she said, oh, yeah, you're a good baby. Of course, that's what your mom says, right? But see, it's not about religion. It's not about the information. It's about the scriptures. The scripture says that we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth and what? we'll be saved. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus wants us to have a relationship. Someone asked a question, like I think there's a couple questions, the one question answers a lot of things today, like what's stopping you from putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Is it because you're a denomination or a religion or some kind of a something? Because all of that won't get you to heaven. There's one way. That's the, that's the reality. In the earlier service, I said reality a couple of times. I did it on purpose because of the name of your church. This time I didn't do it. This time I just, because I'm thinking somebody the first time. So you see somebody the first time, they say, hey, he said reality a lot of times. I did because I was thinking about your church. But that's a reality, right? Like a reality is that you and I are separated from God. We can't earn our way to God. I remember growing up, I thought if I did enough good that maybe the good would outweigh the bad. And then maybe if everything worked out right, God would let me slide into heaven. Because the other thing is, I look around the room and I say, well, I'm not as bad as, and I point at somebody, that person, right? Like comparative. Comparative, rationalization, all these things. And I love what happens here is 
What is stopping him? The incredible thing, nothing was stopping the Ethiopian eunuch. God in his sovereignty had put the word in front of him, had put a person in front of him, had put everything in him. And not only did he present who that slaughtered lamb was and is, and that he's not dead, he's alive, he reigns on high, and he's in heaven. But he also understood, well, if I want to make a decision to follow Jesus, my next step is to be baptized. And not baptism as an infant. At the age of 20, I remember giving my life to Jesus Christ and God coming in and changing me and bringing me from death to life. And I remember, man, I invited my whole fraternity because I wanted them to see me get baptized. Listen, there's nothing magical about, about, about baptism, but there is everything about obedience. And if I make Jesus Christ my Lord, Master, and Savior, the next step is for me to be baptized. And you guys have baptism coming up in a couple of weeks, man. I heard that they're going to bring like some kind of major tub here and there's going to be a high dive. It's going to be like Venetian pool and uh, people are going to be diving in. I mean, I, I, I might come back to see that. I heard it's going to be amazing. I heard there's going to be like so much water weight there. And you know, I'm just sorry. I'm cutting up. I'm just cutting up. Those people are going to be baptized. I heard there's a large number of people that want to get baptized. They've made a decision to follow Jesus and they're, they're going to be baptized. So I want to ask the question today, what's stopping you? What's stopping you from following Jesus? Or what's stopping you from taking the next step and following Jesus in baptism? I remember I was talking to somebody one day, a pastor, and I was talking about baptism and they said, well, baptism is only for Baptists, right? That's a denominational thing, right? Like you Baptist people believe you've got to be baptized. And I said, no, it's a Jesus thing. It's in the Bible. And by the way, what we do in baptism is really cool is we do this thing called immersion where basically somebody goes into the tub and actually they stand there and usually the pastor will say something like, hey, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And there's this kind of picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ symbolically. It's not magically. There's no magical thing. It's not a dispensation of something but it's a step of obedience. It's a testimony. In the early church, that was one of the ways that Christians identified publicly with Christ is with their baptism. I'm thankful for my parents, you know, and I'm thankful for my background, and I'm thankful for all that, but I'm thankful that Jesus saved me at the age of 20, and I declared at the age of 20 through baptism that I was a follower of Jesus. But maybe you're here today and you've made the decision to follow Jesus and you've not taken the next step. And I think the question you need to ask is much like the Ethiopian eunuch. What hinders me? What's stopping you? But let me take it one more step as we wrap up today. Maybe there's something that God's been speaking to you about for a while and you have said no. The minute that you and I say no, we are not involved in God's work. So I would ask you, what do you need to say yes to today? What do you need to say yes to? Because God is always at work. He's at work in Reality Church. He's at work in South Florida. And by the way, he's working all around the world today. Let's pray.